today's scripture reading is going to come out of 2 Timothy, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. And we took a look at 1 Timothy last week, so we're in 2 Timothy today. And uh, we're actually going to look at a slightly different verse than is on the screen. Again, that's my fault. Late change in the game. We're going to look at chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. We're going to look at chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. And we're, going to lead, and we're going to read through verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into, the, into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives you power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are, we do have Kingdom Kids today, and that is our ministry for four-year-olds through second grade. And they have a chance to go and learn and worship at their level during the sermon time. They're gonna gather over here with our Kingdom Kids workers. And they're gonna be meeting downstairs next to us in the education building where they can be picked up after service today. So they're going to have such a good time over there. And so we welcome all of our parents to send their kiddos if they would like. Uh, <clears throat> you know, when, when I sit down and try to think through how we're going to handle sermons on Sundays, I'm, I'm working off of a, a game plan, which is our weekly Bible reading plan that we're doing together. You've heard me say that a million times by now. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, go grab one off the tables in the foyer or in the back and uh, just pick up on the reading for tomorrow. It's a Monday through Friday plan. And uh, whatever we read during the week, that's what I preach from on Sunday. And so I've tried to look through and map it out. And so there was no way for me to know that I would be hitting first and second Timothy during this season of the life of our church. Uh, when I was trying to figure out, you know, which part of which of the Bible reading sections am I going to preach from, that kind of thing. And, uh, and it just shows, you know, we, 
we make our plans, but God is the one who's in control. We have our thoughts and our, our ideas of how things should go and what we're doing, and, and, and we should submit that to the Spirit, and we should be praying about that, we should be seeking the Lord about that, but in the end, God has his hands on things. God is in control. And uh, that's a great comfort to me. And so it's been kind of neat because uh, last week I talked to you about some of the things that Paul said to Timothy. And I, just as a way to remind you, you know, um, Paul helped start a, a church uh, in Ephesus. And uh, throughout his missionary journeys, he came across a young man named Timothy. He shepherded Timothy. Timothy came to faith and eventually experienced a call to ministry uh, through Paul's ministry. And, and Paul sends him to Ephesus to help encourage that church. And so Timothy is a young pastor. And so in the first letter, we see some things that Paul is lining out for Timothy, saying, you know, this is, this is the work ahead of you. You know, you need to find uh, other helpers to come alongside you, other elders, other deacons, etc. Here's some things to be cautious about. Here's some warnings, etc. And so he kind of lays out in and so it was really neat because, as many of you know, uh, Marsha and I are anticipating a, a move at the end of this year. Um, we, we have a, a, an associational meeting this coming, a week from today for our Gonzalez Association and then the following week in Gambrel. And those two uh, opportunities for our associations to have their annual meeting will include voting on me for the next director of missions for the South Central Baptist area, which is over both of those associations. And so that's what's taking place. And just by way of encouragement, on the 22nd, when we have the Gambrel meeting, it's going to be in First Baptist Nixon that Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And it would mean a lot to me if you could come. You can't vote no if you come. I know many have threatened. Many have threatened that. Uh, of course, you can vote however the Lord leads you. But uh, if you can come on the 22nd, 4 p.m., First Baptist Nixon, uh, they're going to do that during the first little session. So if you couldn't stay for the whole thing, though, I would encourage you to try because we'll have a business session where I'll share my testimony and calling. They'll vote, and then we'll have a lunch, and then we'll come back for evening worship. And the pastor at First Baptist Nixon, uh, Kevin Skinner, is going to share the message. And it's going to be a great time of fellowship all the way through. But if you can only make that part of it, come to the 4 o'clock session. But hopefully you can make all of it. If you need a carpool, there's a box you can check on your connection card. Let us know, and we can coordinate some carpool if you want to ride with somebody. But I thought it was just kind of neat because this is coming up for us. Uh, and, and it was a good opportunity just to say, you know, here's what to look for in a pastor. Because y'all are the decision makers. Now, ultimately, it's God, right? Just like I said earlier. Ultimately, this is God's call. He's going to lead and guide our church to the right person, the right man to fill the position. Uh, that's, that's his work. But he, he's, going to be you, he's going to be working through you. He's going to be working through you as a congregation as a whole because you will have a say in that as a as a congregation we're a congregational church which means you make decisions with your brothers and sisters in christ on important matters and so you'll have a chance to uh, make that decision and vote and that's a high responsibility which requires you know your thoughtfulness and your prayers and i know you'll you'll give it that due attention uh, some of you will have an even greater responsibility because you'll be on what's called a pastor search committee and it'll be your job um, to look at different resumes and things like that and prayerfully select the person that you want uh, to bring before the church so that the church can have a say on who will be your next pastor. And so it was really just kind of a cool thing that God aligned our, our Bible reading for this season so that we could talk about, you know, here's some things that you should be prayerfully thinking about when it comes to calling a new pastor. And when I was reading through 2 Timothy, I've never preached through 2 Timothy before. I've done more in 1 Timothy. It's kind of 
the more well-known uh, letter of the two. But it became really clear, like, oh, I see. I kind of see what God might be doing leading us to look at 2 Timothy uh, during this season as well. So I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of excited about what God has to share with us because I think it's, it's going to be really important. But I just want to pause and I want us to pray together uh, that God would help us to see what he has for us today. Okay, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for giving us your word inspired by your Holy Spirit. It is living and active. It, what a beautiful picture that we saw with the children this morning. And as they are coming to faith, growing in their faith, at the, at the center of it is the work of your Spirit teaching them to understand and to live the words of Scripture. And so it is a great gift to us. Just as they unwrap that present from their church family to them, the Bible itself is a gift to us from you. And so, God, we are just so thankful that you've given it to us. And you've given us your Holy Spirit to indwell us that we might understand what is written in the Word and we might be able to seek to apply it to our lives. We could not do any of that without you. And you are so quick and happy to help us read, comprehend, and live the Scriptures for your glory and for our good. And for that, we give thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. So a little of the setting of what's taking place here is kind of interesting. I have preached all the way through Acts. And if you ever want to listen to that, if you just can't sleep at night and you just need an aid, just go to the website, fbckennedy.org sermons, and you will find there a verse-by-verse -verse preaching through the entirety of the book of Acts. And you get to the end of Acts and there's kind of this question mark. What happened to Paul? Because a lot of the back half of Acts is talking about this guy named Paul who was a missionary and he's out there just planting churches left and right across you know uh, the known world at that time all the way from you know over in Rome where he ends up at the end of Acts you know all the way over to uh, what we would call modern day like Greece and Turkey and all that kind of, I mean he's just all over the place he has recorded in scripture there's three missionary journeys and the end of Acts has Paul landing in a Roman prison because of his testimony about Jesus Christ. And we don't know what's going to happen to him because it's not told in Acts, but church history tells us that he did get out. And when he got out, that's when he wrote 1 Timothy and Titus. And he actually endeavors on a fourth missionary trip. And in the middle of, after writing 1 Timothy, he finds out, you know, things aren't going so well over there. you got these people causing problems. Uh, we think that maybe even Paul showed up there in uh, Ephesus again to encourage Timothy and to encourage the church. And there's some hints in 2 Timothy that that did not go well. Uh, that there were some people in the community that did not like what Paul had to say. And uh, they worked to have Paul arrested again. Now, this is, again, this is a little bit of conjecture. We're kind of putting some pieces of the puzzle together. You won't find this in the Bible directly. But just putting these pieces of the puzzle together, we, we get this idea that, that it was in Ephesus, as he is trying to correct things and trying to encourage Timothy in the work, that there are some in the church that are likely in the church, maybe just in the Jewish community there, that uh, see to it that Paul is arrested yet again. And that he's taken to Rome, imprisoned yet again. But this time things are different. This time you have an emperor in um, leadership named Nero. And 
uh, or Nero. You may have heard that name before. He's a pretty well-known Roman emperor because he was a very wicked man and did really terrible, horrible things. Uh, one of the things we, that we know for sure he did is he persecuted Christians severely. He would even take the, the dead bodies of Christians and light them on fire and put them on a post to light his garden parties uh, for you know the royalty in the area. I mean, just truly wicked, horrible things. And and there's some wondering about how this took place, but uh, a good portion of Rome burned down, and they think that Nero did it so that he could rebuild it and take control and do it the way he wanted to do it. And there's some some guests work here, but they think that he blamed the Christians, which created even more persecution for the Christians. And that Paul may have been wrapped up in all of this. He, he, the, the very fact that he's in prison yet again in Rome may be a consequence of all these things taking place, as well as what took place in the church in Ephesus. And so he lands in jail again, but things are different this time. With, with Nero in charge, you get the idea when you read 2 Timothy, Paul knows this is the end of the road. At the end of his imprisonment, the first time in Rome, Paul seems really hopeful. He's going to get out. God's going to deliver him. It's going to be okay. He's going to be back on the missionary trail, sharing Jesus with everybody. Praise God. But when you read 2 Timothy, it gets, it's a different tone. You get the sense that he's writing his last letter to someone really important to him. And in fact, uh, if you read some commentaries and study Bible notes on this, that's exactly what they say. This is, this is very likely Paul's last letter that he ever wrote in the scriptures. And he is writing it to Timothy, his son in the faith, he calls him. And he, he is writing him to let him know, hey, he is hopeful that Timothy will come see him. We get that at the end of the letter. He's hopeful that Timothy will make it in time, but he says, you know, I'm at the end of this. He's not going to be delivered. And so just imagine that you were writing that letter. And you had to write that letter to your kids or to your grandkids, and you knew it was near the end for you for whatever reason. And what are some things you would share? What are some things you would say? What are some things you would want them to know? Some things you'd want them to remember? Now, I, I, I contextualize that for myself, okay? And, I'm, and I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, what, what, would, what would, if Paul were me, and Paul was going to take another post, and he was addressing a church that he had been at for almost a decade, what, what, were some, what are some things that I think he would say? And I think there's a lot of overlap. I won't tell you what I think he would say that's not in Scripture. That would be a lot of guesswork. But I will show you what he said to Timothy. Because I think something he says to Timothy can be really helpful for us today. And that's why I kind of changed up the passage we were going to read from, although this past week we've read uh, all of Timothy, but, or all of 2 Timothy. But I want to look at this one verse together to get us started here in verse 6, okay? He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The last two weeks, I've had the privilege to sit down with some folks who are considering, considering membership in our church. 
And uh, one of the things I talk to them about in our four G's of discipleship, glorify God, which is what we're doing on Sunday morning. That's what we should do every day. But as a church family, we glorify God through the worship uh, together on Sunday mornings. We talk about uh, going into their corners of the world to share Jesus. We talk about them growing in small group discipleship with other believers. And I also talk about giving. And I talk about how God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which you see that is exactly what Paul is saying here. He mentions this uh, a couple different times, uh, how the Holy Spirit is the deposit. The Holy Spirit is in you, Timothy. He's also in you and me. If we're a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And one of the things I talk about when I talk about church membership, I say, you are to give what God has given you back to God through your ministry in the local church. That God has gifted you and me through the Holy Spirit to serve him through the church. Paul talks about this elsewhere. He talks about it in Romans 12. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about this in Ephesians 4. And the idea is that the church is a body and has many parts. And you need all those parts. If you've ever been without a part, either permanently or at least for a little while, you, you know how much trouble that is. We were talking about it at the football game the other, other day. Uh, Travis was sharing his toe story about his injury to his big toe. And it's just amazing. Like that one toe gets injured. I remember uh, when I was, you know, earlier in life, I liked to watch the NBA games. And, and it was when Shaquille O'Neal was playing. If you don't know who that is, he's just an enormous man. And he had a toe injury, and it kept him out a lot. And you just think, that's one little toe. What's the big deal? Wrap it up and play. But if you've ever had an injury like that, you realize like the one little part's actually super important. You really need that. I don't know what spleens are for, but I know you need a toe, all right? You need those toes. And, and so it's just, we, we think that, well, well, what's my part? I, I have no part. And let me tell you if, you, if you think that way, you're absolutely wrong. You're biblically wrong. You're scripturally wrong. The Bible tells us very clearly, if you are a Christian and the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Holy Spirit brings luggage with him into your life. He brings gifts into your life and the reason for those gifts are so that you can use them for his glory and for the good of the church and the community in which the church resides that's what the holy spirit does so you may not know what that gift is or is you may not know what it is if you're sitting here thinking well i'm a christian i know i have the holy spirit i don't know what my gift is please 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 that is why we're here as as ministers rosemary and myself uh that is why we're here you can talk to to Chase and to Josh, we're here to help you find out what has God gifted you to do and get you on the road of doing that thing. Because it's not only for your, it's not only for God's glory and for the good of those around you, but there is so much joy in serving the Lord in the ways he has gifted you to serve. There is so much satisfaction in knowing that God is using you for a specific purpose. And so when I zoom back a little bit and I just kind of contextualize this for myself, one of the things I've been thinking about is, you know, the church does not need a ton of leaders. You ever heard the phrase, too many cooks in the kitchen? Have you ever seen that play out at Thanksgiving before? It ain't pretty, is it, right? It can be kind of a mess when too many people think they need to be in charge. The truth of a church or any organization is, is you need a few leaders 
to gather everybody else and help them use their gifts to get going in the right direction. That's the job of a leader, the job of a pastor and a minister, or I think any leader really, is not to do all the work for the benefit of others. It is to help others do the work for the benefit of all. That's the minister's job. See, you as a member, or you as a part of this church family, you as a Christian, you play the big part here. Our job is just to help you get organized, encourage you, equip you, lead and guide you, but you're the ministers. You, you, you carry the weight of the church's ministry. That's what you do as a Christian. That's your responsibility. And what a joy it is to feel a part of that. You are not a cog in a system. You're an integral and important part of the body of Christ. And God wants to use you. And I just want to say, especially in this season, first of all, just understand, the church does not rise and fall on a pastor. Our church has been around for 160 plus years, had a lot of pastors, and I'm sure some of them were great, some of them maybe not so great, and we're still here, and this is still a wonderful church community. That is not because of a pastor or a group of pastors. However important the role of a leader is, it's part of the DNA of our church, and you are a big part of that. So I kind of got a far field there. But the reason I mention all this is because I think there's something of that sense between Paul and Timothy that Paul knows he's on his way out, and he wants Timothy to know, don't give up. Don't stop doing what God has called you to do. You have work here. Paul will say later on, uh, I starred this because I thought it was worth sharing. I just got to figure out where my story is. Oh, my bookmark was holding. Uh, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's verse 1, sorry, chapter 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. What is he saying? He's saying, You've got work to do. Keep doing that work and investing in others. And then he says this, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That yes, to serve God costs us something. That's the whole idea of the suffering he's talking about. It was costly to Paul to be a preacher of the gospel. That's why he is in prison. It cost him his life. And he gladly gave it. And he says to Timothy, I'm on my way out. Baton is being passed to you. Carry that torch. In fact, what he, what he says literally here is be a good soldier. Right? You've got marching orders. Not from me, but from God. He goes on to say, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Paul is not saying, and I'm the commanding officer, therefore seek to please me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you have a commanding officer. It is Jesus. Seek to please him. So what he doesn't say is seek to please Paul. He also doesn't say seek to please the people you're serving. I think that may be some of what he's talking about with the civilian affairs idea. You're not here to make others happy. You're here to do one thing as a soldier of Christ is to seek to please your commanding officer and that is God himself. So as we seek to please God through using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
Uh, there are going to be times of suffering. There are going to be times of discouragement. There are going to be times of loss. Uh, there are going to be times of wondering what's next. We all get that sense uh, from time to time. And, and Timothy will be no different seeing all this going on, knowing that Timothy or that Paul, his, pro, his, uh, his mentor in the faith and in the ministry, is, is towards the end of his life. You know, knowing all that stuff, seeing all the persecution that's going around him. You know, one of the things that's interesting when you read 2 Timothy, you keep, Paul keeps bringing up this idea of shame or being ashamed. And he's saying, look, you know, a lot of people are, you know, if you're in prison, like we look at Paul being in prison and think, wow, what faith. Not everybody saw it that way. A lot of people saw Paul in prison like, you know, you know, that dude's blown it. And he's lost. Like if he was truly following God, would he be in prison? Would God send him to jail if he was really doing what, what God wanted him to do? Like, a lot of them evidently took that mindset. And so anybody, Paul, or anybody attached to Paul, they looked down on. And so Timothy says again and again, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of your ministry. Keep marching forward. Keep being a good soldier following the marching orders of our commanding officer, which is God himself. But I can see why Paul would, or I can see why Timothy would be discouraged seeing all those things, experiencing all those things, himself being persecuted, his church being, you know, in some ways kind of being in shambles a little bit. I, I can see why he would feel that. And Paul says, no, 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 don't be ashamed. Don't give up. Follow your commanding officer. And part of that is what we read here this morning. And this is what I want us to spend a moment on is he says, fan into flame that gift of God. All that being said, going back to what I talked about earlier, the Holy Spirit has given Timothy a gift. Just as he's given you a gift. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what you see Paul saying to Timothy is don't get discouraged. Fan into flame the gift. Use what God has given you. You can focus on so many negative things. You can focus on all the things going wrong, all the things that you wish were different, all the things that you would change if you could change it. You can focus on that stuff, but Paul says to Timothy, focus on this, fan it into flame, the gift God has given you. And if you don't know what that is, start with finding out what that is, and you may not have 100% certainty, but get enough of an idea of what God wants you to do that you can get down that path serving him that he can give you more clarity. But he said, fan the flame. We were making a, don't y'all love this change in weather, by the way? And this is nice, right? You know, one of my favorite things about the colder weather is you get to do, uh, I get to get a little campfire going in the backyard and, and, and my little thing there. And I, and I just love it. I love, it's one of my favorite things in the world, just make a little fire and just sit there. And I've gotten pretty good at it because, uh, you know, I have things like torches and gasoline, so it's really easy to start a fire. That's just a joke. Just, some of you are like, oh, that is not safe. I know, I know. But, you know, they make these little tumbleweed things. You ever seen those at Walmart? You just put one in there, put some wood around. Oh, it's so easy to start a fire. But I just think, you know, like, uh, one of my favorite movies is Castaway, where a guy gets stuck on an island and he has to start a fire. And I just thought, well, if that was me, I would die for sure. Because there's just a lot of stuff I won't eat. I'm just like, no, I'm going to heaven and there's going to be a feast up there because I'm not eating that snail. You know, that's just me. But you see this part of the, part of the movie where, where he has to start a fire. And he doesn't have tumbleweeds or matches or gasoline or any of that stuff. He's got nothing, right? 
And so he's got he's to work with what he has, and, he, and, he, and, he, and, and he's, uh, you know, rubbing a stick on top of another stick, and he's got some, you know, I, I don't know what it is, some, some, grass, some dried grass or something like that, and he's trying, and you just see him just, right, he's just trying to, he's trying to fan it into a flame, right? Now, what he could do is just say, God, if you could send a lightning bolt to start a fire for me every time I want to warm myself or eat, that'd be awesome. God, if you'll just handle it for me. I don't need to fan my flame. God will do it. God will send a lightning bolt. That's one thing he could have done. Or he could have, you know, worked the wood and, and, and got the flame going and just said, well, God, you send a wind. God, you just, you send the wind to fan this little flame and then we'll get things going. He could have, he could have done that. Or he could have just said, you know, maybe somebody else you know, have in their luggage that got lost or thrown overboard or whatever, and they've got, you know, a fire starting kit, and it'll wash ashore. And so somebody else inadvertently will send me what I need to start a fire, and then we'll get the, we'll get the flame going. There's lots of ways he could have done it that were very unlikely to be effective. What he did do is he worked at it, and when the flame got going, he fanned the flame so that the fire could be started so that he could live. What I'm saying to you, church, is you can look around to other people and say, well, that's their job. Let them do it. Our God's going to take care of it. I don't have to worry about it. And, and, and maybe, maybe Timothy could have had that outlook, you know. Or maybe he could have been so discouraged with Paul exiting the picture he could have just given up on the idea of having a fire at all. But Timothy's, or Paul's encouragement to Timothy is, no, God has given you something to do. And that spark of the Holy Spirit that he has put in you, the gift of the Holy Spirit he has put into you, he, he wants you to fan that flame. Think of the benefit of having 150 flames going in our church versus two or three. Imagine that. Imagine it takes six months, a year, a year and a half, two years to find a pastor. But our church is stronger and healthier than ever because you don't have a few flames. you got lots of flames. And I know the temptation is you have a pastor leaving, a pastor you love. It's the best pastor you've ever had, right? I mean, come on. I'm kidding. Don't, don't, no. But I know the temptation is let God send lightning bolt for a fire. Let the wind blow to fan the flame. Let something arrive on shore that will get it going. But I just got to tell you, you're not going to find that in the Bible. What you see Paul telling Timothy is, God's put something in you. God wants to use you. Fan that flame. Don't let it go to waste. Don't expect others to do it. You fan your flame. You can't, you can't do it all. No one here, including and especially me, makes up the whole body of Christ. Paul says it's a body, the church, with many parts, all of us. You are not all the body. Take that pressure off yourself. You don't have to be all the parts. You just have to do the best to be the part that God has given you. You just have to take that one flame that together can make a bonfire. You're just that one flame, but you just... Fan that one flame and see what God will do. 
Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. As you put flames in our life, you put Christians on fire for you in our lives, just as you did for Timothy when you put Paul in his life, and just as you did for the church in Ephesus when you put Timothy in their life, and all of us have benefited from other Christians who have been on fire for you. They have kept us warm. They have helped us see. They have provided what we need. And at the same time, God, you're calling us to be that flame for others. Help us to fan that flame through the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand with me for our invitation. As we sing together, I invite you. If you need prayer, come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Whatever the Lord's laid on your heart, pray where you are. But let's not leave this place today without responding to the Lord Jesus and what he has spoken to us.